0: So, Alison, what were you up to 10 years ago this month?
1: I was living in Little Italy, had started Queen's Park today not too long before. And I remember driving up to a friend's cottage on the long weekend and having a lot to talk about when it came to Toronto politics. Yeah, I
0: mean, today, the day listeners are hearing this, uh, actually happens to mark the 10th anniversary of the best photo I've ever taken, Um Not that I'm mainly a photographer, but, like, this was back when I was a writer at Now Magazine, but I carried around a camera with me. And this photo was of Rob Ford at the City Hall flag raising for the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia, looking mightily distracted as he stood apart from the other, much more enthusiastic members of Toronto City Council on the day after news of the crack video broke. But but it was an eventful month for the, you know, for the whole Ford family.
1: Tonight, there are accusations involving the family of Toronto's mayor. The Globe and Mail claims Rob Ford's brother, another politician, was involved in the drug trade. When Global News first called Doug Ford to comment on the allegations, he was furious. It's
2: absolutely disgusting how you guys lower yourself. You're you're lower than a bunch of politicians.
0: Ten years later, well, I guess I'm more likely to be recording a podcast than writing an article or taking a photo. And things have also changed a bit for Doug Ford
2: friends it's that time of year again this week from may the 1st to the 7th head over to your local tim hortons pick up a smile cookie 100 of the proceeds goes to local charities and organizations so now is the time to enjoy a tasty treat and support some good causes my favorite treat at timmy's cookie Mm-mm. delicious
1: so 10 years later, Doug Ford is in a very new era. O is in a new era. RIP Now Magazine. <laughs> uh, I'm still publishing Queen's Park today. But in honor of like the alt-weekly vibe that Toronto is sorely lacking during this municipal election and always, we're going to call this episode a deep dive into Doug Ford's obsession with Smile Cookies. There are no longer
0: sadly many written forms or any written forms in which to publish such hard-hitting investigations. But thankfully, podcasts exist.
1: I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park today. And I didn't realize it'd been exactly ten years since the crack video. That's pretty crazy.
0: I'm Jonathan Goldsby, News Editor at Candland, and my local Tim Hortons has a sign pasted on the back that someone took the time to print out and sort of like stick on as a decal that says, and I think it's like the the same font as like the city bus shelters, him Tortons. Someone someone put the effort in to do that.
1: Well, I know I know one guy who has really good access to decals. Oh shit. This is Wag the Doug, a monthly podcast about Doug Ford.
2: Ford. Ford. Ford.
1: Nearly five years into our podcast about Doug Ford, we've had a lot to say about... What he's said, what he's done, what policies he's enacted, and how all that ties into his history as a son of Etobicoke and former Toronto city councillor during Rob Ford's chaotic term as mayor. One thing we haven't talked that much about, though, is his love of cookies. What's his love of Christmas cookies? I think we we talked about that. There were the Christmas cookies. We're
2: going to decorate the cookies. These are
0: great sugar cookies. Okay, we're going to use some white icing. And I'm pretty sure we also talked about his daughter Kyla's cookie business on, like, a couple occasions.
1: Yes, we have talked about Kai Kai's. But we haven't talked about Doug Ford's love of Tim Horton's smile cookies. And something we for sure haven't talked much about is how he tweets, which makes sense. Tweeting is objectively less important than governing.
0: And and we should say up front that the word he here, in terms of he tweets, is is being used with quotation marks implied, as there's no reason to believe that Doug Ford himself has ever sent a tweet or even an email in his life. But but there's a Twitter account with his name on it, and tweets come from that.
1: Ford's heavily stage-managed at Ford Nation Twitter account, which posts more often than his at Ford Nation Doug Ford Instagram account and gets more engagement than his official Ford Nation Facebook page, is a treasure trove of political imagery and ideology, including, but not limited to, his firm pro-cookie stance.
0: Also including, but not limited to, his firm pro-police stance. Out of, I think, about 30 or so tweets posted to At Ford Nation from the start of this month up through Monday afternoon, eight, or nearly a third, concern the police. He tweeted about attending a Toronto Police Chiefs dinner gala, about a memorial service for police officers who died in the line of duty, and about speaking at the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police Blue Line Expo in Mississauga, that last one's a trade show where exhibitors with names like Urban Tactical, Chimera XR, and Omniview Tech showcase things like surveillance drones, virtual reality training systems, uh, modular assault vests for police dogs, and like Robocops, I guess. Plus, you know, just other various military-style equipment for which the taxpayer would end up footing the bill. Though, lest we think they're too cutting edge, however, the event's Platinum sponsor this year was BlackBerry.
1: If the King's coronation hadn't also taken place this month, the ratio of cop tweets would have been higher, I think. Mm -hmm. But the premier did have to throw off a few God Save the King posts. Actually, the two videos Ford posted on May 1st are pretty telling. The first is Ford advertising the fun fair the government hosted on the Queen's Park lawn on Coronation Day. Speaking of which, did you see any photos of that thing?
0: No, I remember getting the press release about it, but I never heard that it
1: happened. It happened, and I'm actually surprised it didn't end up on some sort of online listicle about the worst coronation celebrations in the Commonwealth. They brought in like these very crappy carnival rides, like 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 the Ford Fest type rides. I, yeah, like the the type that are like at like street fairs in Toronto that look pretty okay. So sort of like
0: midway rides, but like maybe two thirds of the size and sadder,
1: if that's possible? Yeah, definitely. Those exact ones. <laughs> and yeah, so that is already not screaming like regal. And the signs the government posted around the city for it were painted onto pizza boxes. They literally tied pizza boxes that said free food onto utility poles on like Bloor Street.
0: I mean, this is amazing. You just sent me some photos of like just People tweeted
1: pizza boxes. stuff around Queens Park area. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: pizza boxes with like written on them in marker: "Free fare today, noon to arrow six, Queens Park, free food." Yeah, they're hand painted and bear more than a passing resemblance to like the free bird seed signs with which the coyote would attempt to entrap the roadrunner.
1: I mean, just not putting up the signs would have been better, I really think. But yeah, back to Ford's Twitter account. So on May 1st, there is a video about the coronation advertising the fun pair and then a second video, which is like very clearly filmed at the exact same time Ford is wearing the same outfit, standing in front of the same backdrop. But in the second video, he's holding a box of Tim Horton's smile cookies.
0: So for king and country, as it were. Friends,
2: on May the 6th, Ontario will be celebrating the coronation... Friends, it's that time of year again, this week from May the 1st to
1: the 7th... I'm trying to decide which one he sounds more excited in, but it was hard to tell. I think it's time we answer the question on everyone's lips. Jonna, what is a Tim Hortons smile cookie? Well, what isn't a Tim Hortons smile cookie? So it's, it's from having recently eaten, albeit not myself
0: purchased one i can speak from experience that it's a, a chocolate chip cookie that with a face crudely sketched on in icing wait you had one uh yeah no once again not this is not like what i said to say deliberately it's like hey accidentally like oh my god it's got a face no i was <laughs> i was at a party and i don't for whatever reason this was among the offerings on the table was some smile cookies and so out of curiosity i tried one and it's it's just a uh, you know, like like everything at Tim Hortons is exactly as eh as it sounds.
1: So I hear there's three different, four different types of cookies. There's a zany, a sweetie, a chippy, and a grumpy. No,
0: that would be that would be fun. No, those are the different types of like but commemorative pins they were selling oh. with, I guess, different expressions on them. As far as I'm aware, there's just the one cookie, and then I guess the designs slightly vary from thing to thing depending on which. Member of provincial parliament, or other community leader, or Tim Hortons minimum wage staffer is doing the doodle.
1: Well, I'm glad you had one. This is real boots on
0: the ground. I would have, if they were still available, I would have obviously purchased them for us, and we would have had them in studio. But the twist in this case is that 100 percent of the proceeds they they go for a buck fifty each goes to a local charity or community group.
1: So it's basically the equivalent of like when they ask you if you want to donate a dollar to sick kids when you're at the grocery store checkout. But it has a marketing budget. The Smile Cookie campaign gets, like, a surprising amount of earned media. I found a a three-and-a-half-minute CTV morning show segment about it from last fall, which, A, begs the question, like, do they do this twice a year, I guess? Also, it featured a former Olympian who I assume someone is paying, perhaps out of the Smile Cookie money. Can't trust these corporate (laughs) charities.
0: No, I mean, like you know, as our listeners are probably aware, I mean, I, I guess everyone's kind of aware now. There's even a Simpsons episode about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, corporate philanthropy is, you know, it's it's a lot of a brand building and sometimes for its own sake. And in this case, you know, Tim Hortons is trying to integrate itself into the community and show a, a bunch of social responsibility so that people forget it's a minimum wage employer owned by slash like Brazilian slash American owners. Yeah, I mean, they they sell terrible food, but this is their way of giving back and asking you to help them reduce, presumably reduce their tax bill.
1: So the next question becomes, what stake does Doug Ford and his PC caucus have in perpetuating this mythos on Tim Horton's behalf? Like, why bother? Tweet about Smile Cookie Day. And I, I want to note that this is like far from the first time Ford's done this. And there was a smile week, like as recently as like last fall, right? Yeah, it's happened. To, uh, yeah, so it happens faster and fast. Like they're just <laughs> perpetually speeding up on a smile cookie loop. Yeah, it just happens more and more, and soon
0: there'll be nothing but cookies, smiles all the time, which is, I think, one of the subplots to the first Batman movie.
1: And it's not just smile cookies Ford advertises. So he advertises those a lot, but like he's also advertised the fact when Tim Hortons was like making egg sandwiches with fake eggs for a long time and everyone was like this shit's gross and then they like had their own campaign like we use real eggs now. He advertised that like Mm -hmm. uh, yeah and then I think in April he went he tweeted that he went to one of their facilities to learn how to make an egg sandwich which he called (laughs) learning new skills Um, but again like just advertising their products also in February he told Ontarians to buy as many donuts as they can to support the Special Olympics. Like, it's non-stop.
2: Hi, we're over here at Tim's with my good pal, Kristen. The donuts are back for the Special Olympics. Come by, support, buy as many of these as you can. All proceeds from these donuts go to
0: Special Olympics. So, I mean, obviously Tim Hortons has a lot of symbolic value in Canadian politics and culture you know holding up a red cup on the campaign trail means you want to look relatable to the middle class rather than like a latte sipping elite and they re- you know Ford really has played on that hard over his uh, 13 years 13 14 years in in politics fucking that city hall days there was a there was a lot of unless you just having the 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 regular coffee from the city hall cafeteria it was hard to walk around anywhere with a caffeinated beverage without being conscious of the symbolism of it that's that's how that's how much it was in the air of like Am I going to identify myself as someone who goes to Starbucks, or am I going to identify myself as someone who goes to Tim Hortons? Anyway, it's very dumb culture war stuff, and uh, Doug Ford has a lot of fun with it, but he also probably likes, genuinely likes Tim Hortons. Kathleen Wynn and Justin Trudeau, you know, they have coffee of, you know, probably very well focused grouped and chosen coffee cups, but they, you know, they aren't using their platforms to sell smile cookies, so far as I know.
1: Nope. I couldn't find any evidence of that. My goodness. So this is a real Ford Nation um, smile cookie drive. And it's hard to pinpoint whose idea it is for Ford to associate himself so closely with Tim Hortons. And I guess in particular, but not exclusively, they're like charity exercises. But it seems like somebody in the PC team is like, look how good Tim Hortons is at making themselves look good to people If Ford just piggybacks off that and, like, lets a little bit of that run off into his own political brand, then that'll be great and easy, right? Like like you said, it's like painting the smiley face on the cookie – is so easy for Tim Hortons, so they can have smile cookie days all the time while at Ford Nation on Twitter, making a a video holding a box of them, also very easy. I guess it's just funny when it gets so literal and repetitive that Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, you're like really doing this a lot. I mean, the other possibility is that the CEO of Restaurant Brands International uh, is standing out of the frame holding a pistol while each of these videos are filmed. Send those Ontarians to Smile Cookies.
0: Well, then you'd probably just film a video about the importance of having more police to protect them from the pistol-wielding CEOs. Absolutely. Of restaurant <laughs> yeah, exactly. So last December, our Canada Lands Monday show, a.k.a. CanadaLand, did a, a, a good episode. Sharice uh, I did a very episode called The Food Bank Industrial Complex that basically came to the conclusion and explained how, you know, the very fact that food banks exist is proof that our governments have failed to provide adequate services. Every food bank has a policy failure, as it were. And, you know, that politicians who promote donating to food banks are basically crooks, right? I mean, you know, most countries, as it turns out, do not tend to have politicians going all in on like food banks great thing come on help out your local food bank because they kind of recognize that it is a sign of shame that they are necessary at all not a point of pride that hey look at people helping each other so when you look at this online map of the Tim Hortons of show where all the smile cookie donations are going that's actually all the Tim Hortons across the the country or whatever and you zoom in and it's just smile after smile after smile for <laughs> each location and it's it's maddening it's like something out of the dark night you know recipients include children's aid societies school nutrition programs hospital foundations, all the sort of stuff that comes under provincial responsibility. So rather than properly fund these services, Ford tries to look like a good guy by telling Ontarians to donate $1.50 to them via cookies.
1: Yeah, it's like make a donation to the Peterborough Regional Health Center while I simultaneously pass legislation that will incentivize Peterborough's finest surgeons to stop working there so they can get paid more to do knee surgeries at a private clinic. The other part that sucks is that Ford and Tim Hortons, they're kind of tricking normal people into thinking that they're helping, right? That by doing this, buying this $1.50 cookie, like, you are doing good. When, like, really the trickle down of it is, I'm assuming, pretty much nil. I mean, compared to government support, I imagine. Well, yeah, they said that they've raised like $92 million in, I don't know, seven years or something like that. Not very much, which makes sense because you're selling one dollar cookies like that doesn't add up. We should also
0: briefly talk about McHappy Day, uh, which Ford and the PCs also promoted vociferously this month.
2: Today's McHappy Day. We're at McDonald's on Islington Avenue with a Metropolis family, great family that we're able to utilize Ronald McDonald House. Come by.
0: On this day, May 10th. Ten percent of any menu item you buy from McDonald's, we donated to Ronald McDonald House, the McDonald's-run charity that gives family members of sick children a place to stay near a hospital if they had to travel there from out of town. So you know that's good. It's a nice service to provide, but also you know if this is an important thing for families to access. You know, why was not that a government service?
1: Yeah, and I checked out the lobbyist registry after we started talking about Mm -hmm. Ronald McDonald Day or whatever, McHappy Day. And I ended up finding an entry, a recent entry, for Ronald McDonald House, which has hired a consultant lobbyist to, quote, do government outreach related to securing funding for future capital projects, infrastructure, and ongoing operations and social services delivery. So in normal speak, that means McDonald's is – Lobbying the government for capital funding and operations funding to run its Ronald McDonald houses. So are you a charity? <laughs> when you say like Ronald McDonald houses,
0: it sounds like the, the Soho house. They have a the whole network of places to.
1: I think they have a party. couple, don't they? They, 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 they do. But yeah, so it's kind of like they're on eating out of both hands of um, both the clown hands, both, clown the, both the clown hands. Yes, they want they want Doug Ford. They want to be and both on. the Hamburglar
0: and the Grimace. They do. <laughs> Is that I don't. I don't but know they if
1: that's... want to keep the smiley Ronald McDonald phase on as they take and take. They take the government's advertising potential, and then they also take its capital funding budget.
0: So I mean, you know the. One fun part of McHappy Day, as though there aren't all fun parts of McHappy Day, uh, is that members of Doug Ford's caucus were also forced to post photos of themselves buying and eating McDonald's all over social media, telling Ontarians to treat yourself to a delicious meal while making
1: a difference. And this is another thing that happens a lot. I think it's the long tail of Ontario News Now, which was the PC's former news style propaganda channel. We don't hear much from its former host, Lindsay Vanstone, anymore, but she's, like, still very much around. Oh, yeah. She's
0: on the Sunshine List. She's She's on the
1: Sunshine List. She, after Ontario News Now wound down, she ended up becoming the executive director of branding in the premier's office. So it would, like, not surprise me one bit as if, you know, executive director of branding, she runs the ship that makes PCMPPs all post the same type of nonsense photos in unison. They notably did it when the gas price went up a few years ago because of the carbon tax. They all had to take photos of themselves pumping gas, making, like, sad faces. (laughs) There's only a few things that PCMPPs really tweet or post There's lots of, like, prepared graphics with either government talking points or, like, the word Mother's Day. Um, Or there's, like, photos of them at press conferences or meeting constituents or stakeholders. Those are actually, like, probably the meeting people ones are, like, the only ones that, like, kind of feel a little bit real. And even that's, like, a posed photo. But it's, like, at least that is somebody doing a thing they were doing anyways. And, of course, whatever the premier's office tells them, they have to take a photo of themselves doing so in this case, it was honestly gathering handfuls of <laughs> McDonald's in some cases, piling it up. Like, we were getting close to um, Donald Trump level. Like no, um, the photo of him with
0: all like, the, hamb- the rows of hamburgers or the, yeah. the mountains of hamburgers yeah. and whatever and salads. From-
1: Not quite as many as that in some of these photos, but there were a few with, like, big piles of organized food on the table. Do they ever bring it back
0: to Queens Park? Like, can you through at Queens Park on, on the day that they bring all this stuff
1: there? We need to start checking. It is fun to think of the logistics that go into that, though. Like, literally, hundreds of staffers are going to be getting sent a schedule. Maybe from Lindsay Vanstone, that tells them it's mandatory that on May 10th, their minister or MPP has to be brought a bag or bags of McDonald's and like stand in a photo holding it. Just like honestly embarrassing if you're a politician, I would think. Do they
0: all buy from their local McDonald's or can't, is it possible that they can, like the caucus could buy them and to distribute them centrally, like have each person sign in with their name and they get their hand in a
1: bag? Can you do that every time it's Smile Day? <laughs> That's crazy, right, it's yeah. Smile Day all the time. I mean, I think that when Caroline Mulrooney eventually retires from politics and, you know, just remembers that she's a very rich lady and doesn't have to be doing this, it's going to be because the premier's office (laughs) made her act like an influencer and eat a McFlurry outside Queen's Park.
0: I mean, the more time they're spending running to fast food restaurants, then there's probably the less time they're spending passing laws that kill people, right? Speaking of things that we're better off having people do than their actual jobs, the cops got on the smile cookie campaign this year, too. Our producer, Katie, found a bunch of tweets from police forces around the province promoting smile cookies, thus uniting Doug Ford's two favorite Twitter themes and
1: tying up this episode into a beautiful bow. Everyone just wants to be a fucking do-gooder. I joke, but there's something unsettling about a bunch of cops and Premier Doug Ford all... Simply on their own schedules, flitting between a trade show full of murder weapons and a Tim Horton smile cookie celebration all in the same week.
0: I mean, so it's not quite as cognitively dissonant if you're the type of person who believes that cops are good, like Doug Ford emphatically does. You mentioned, Allison, that Lindsay Vanstone is the premier's executive director of branding, which is a very uncommonly, uncharacteristically honest title for the government to use. And if we head back to Ford's Twitter feed, it's pretty clear that being in the general vicinity of uniformed officers is a big part of his brand. I mean, as we've talked about before in the show, Doug Ford really loves the police so long as they're not investigating him or his family. Um, you know, we've talked about Ford and the police on the pen sh- on the show in the past, such as in 2020, during the height of the Black Lives Matter protest, when he was finding new ways to show his solidarity with the police by giving them more money. A big theme of that episode and a big thing that we talk about often is how difficult it is to not just fire police officers, but even suspend them without pay. You have to be not just convicted of a crime, but sentenced to imprisonment and not have any ongoing appeals. For a police officer to actually be suspended without pay, and we did that. We did this episode. And we talked about it. We thought we were on the verge of that changing. Ford had brought in a new law that would give police chief more powers and more discretion to actually, you know, in cases of serious malfeasance, suspend officers without pay. And at the time, we were thought like, oh, we're just waiting for these regulations to be written for this law to be proclaimed. The law had been passed; it wasn't yet in effect. And now, weirdly, almost three whole years later. It's still not in effect. It's still hanging out there. It's it's received royal assent. It is law. It's not in effect because they never got around to doing that sort of last piece of writing the details of what this would actually look like in practice. Is this as weird as it seems, Alison? Like, does this happen at all?
1: I mean, I'd say this is a particularly, like, stark case of it, Um, not proclaiming it for four years. But more often it's like a piece of a law. They'll, like, proclaim most of the law, but then they'll, like, leave little sections out and say they're, like, waiting if they don't Mm -hmm. want to pass it, say they're, like, waiting on regulations and just kind of, like, punt it away. So it does happen, and it's not just the PCs that do it. But But it's it's unusual for it to be this,
0: like, a whole government bill that's sort of just on the back burner, right?
1: yeah. So like we said off the top, like a quarter of the things Doug Ford tweets are Mm -hmm. photos of him like just surrounded by cops in various situations. Mm -hmm. That is notable when he's kind of under not a real OPP investigation, but the OPP is like considering Mm -hmm. investigating whether or not – Uh, There are ties between the developers that bought up large swaths of the Greenbelt right before Doug Ford announced that housing could be developed on it. There's also, you know, other probes that way. And, I mean, there's, like, always Mm -hmm. been lots of, like, accusations of Doug Ford criminality, nothing that's like been a charge or anything close to it. But like, you no,
0: know, there's they're sort of always buzzing around like those surveillance drones they shop for at those conventions.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So simultaneously, like he's accused of being a crook a lot. And again, not, I'm not calling him a crook, but he's accused he of being... Accuse, he's, he is
0: accused. The general the general voice omniscient. There are people out there who launch accusations in his general direction, or perhaps in a specific direction.
1: But then simultaneously, he's like, well, if I were a crook, why would I stand so close to all these cops, huh? Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, but the thing is, they, they, it goes the other way, too, right? So, you know, there are a bunch of police associations in Ontario. Police associations, not technically unions, but obviously there's the... Ontario Provincial Police one, there's a Toronto Police one, but then all the other police associations all fall under the umbrella of the um, Police Association of Ontario. And unlike the Toronto Police Association and the Ontario Provincial Police Association, the Police Association of Ontario, the PAO, puts their newsletters online for anyone to see. So you can often see how they're marketing themselves and their loan lobbying to their own members. And as much as Doug Ford likes being photographed with police, the police really seem to like being photographed with Doug Ford. Like they, they love Doug Ford, they love anyone around Doug Ford. The new, the newest issue, which is still the winter one, the summer one or the spring one hasn't come out yet, features a message from a whole full page message from Michael Kursner, the Solicitor General of Ontario. There's a Q and A with Kirzner in the issue, asking him such hardball questions as, "How are you enjoying your portfolio as Solicitor General?" and uh, what is your favorite part about being Solicitor General?" <laughs> but one thing I thought I thought was particularly It's mostly what you'd expect. And one thing I thought was really interesting is He just says, you know, I'm proud of, of our relationship with the PAO and all those who stand up for our community. I've had the privilege of meeting re- regularly with Mark Baxter, the president, and I appreciate his friendship and guidance. I mean, once again, police unions are not exactly labor in the traditional sense, but it's really hard to imagine. Any Ford minister or referring to any labor leader of the sector in the sector they regulate as a friend and appreciating taking their guidance.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is interesting. And, you know, that it goes both ways, which makes sense again, like nothing groundbreaking. It's a law and order conservative government and a law and order police force and their allies. I mean, a few newsy things have happened with mm-hmm. police related stuff at Queen's Park over the past little while. And one, I mean, I think really has to do with um, stakeholder engagement, to put it nicely. Mm. And that is a bill that the Doug Ford government tabled in 2019 and passed in 2019, but never proclaimed or Mm. enacted. So it would have required that police officers had either a diploma or a degree from a college or university Mm. before becoming cops. There are studies that show that there is a correlation between the
0: degree of education a police officer has and the variety of the types of education and how they conduct themselves in the job including you know how likely they are to use force how likely they are to actually identify with the, the communities that they're policing identify with the individuals in the communities that they're policing as opposed to just seeing them as who's who in the zoo as as Mark Saunders once put it, there was even a recommendation of the mass casualty commission report that R C like the R C M P situation is fucked. But like there was one in particular recommendation of the mass casualty commission report that basically the Public Safety Canada worked with the various provinces to develop like a, I think it's like a three year degree program for policing or some like basically extended thing for anyone who wants to be a cop in Canada. Because I mean, once again, studies and other cases and other jurisdictions, Finland is when they keep pointing to show that it makes for better police. So this was actually a pretty good idea that would have actually measurably improved the quality of police officers, not just in terms of you're going to have people who you know are smarter people, but in the sense of you're going to have people who have had maybe some a degree of, frankly, education, of learning, of having an excuse and a time and a place to learn about things in between maybe high school and how to shoot a
1: gun. Right. So, in 2019, the PCs thought that was a great idea, and they passed a bill saying that. But they announced uh, a few weeks ago that actually, nah, they were like amending this law that's not passed to pull that out. And actually, you only need a high school diploma. So, in some ways, the law of the land never changed. You, if you became a police officer. In 2021, you also didn't need to go to college or university, but you know it's the motives. There was like a there was a plan to do this, and then all of a sudden, there's no plan anymore. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you go back to the Police Association of Ontario thing, I mean, it's something they keep hammering on, and they said was like you know the focus of their recent lobbying day at Queen's Park is about staffing, right? They they feel like they're badly understaffed. The president you know wrote his introductory letter. Our focus on Lobby Day this year was the staffing crisis in policing. Our members met with their local MPPs at Queen's Park and shared with them the dire situations in staffing at their services. While we seem to have government support, our work is not done. Basically, they believe they have a recruitment crisis. It's harder to get people than it was before. In part, they attribute to the fact that policing is not seen as cool as it once was.
1: Yeah, and I mean, on the recruitment side, the other thing that Government is doing is covering the cost of police training, which is like pretty expensive. It's something like $14,000 or mm-hmm. something for like a couple months. But you can only go to this police training camp, police academy. You can mm-hmm. only go to this police academy. Yeah, it is a police academy. <laughs> if you get hired to be a police officer in Ontario. So, like, Nobody can go unless you're already signed up for a job. So for that reason, charging $14,000 doesn't seem that bad because we all know police officers get paid a lot. Like, you're going to pay that off, and you're mm. going to learn stuff in three months. And that's, like, honestly, as far as, like, higher education goes, not the worst deal because mm. you're getting a job. But uh, don't worry. It's an even better deal now. Uh, you don't have to pay at all, which led lots of people to be, like, you know, maybe we mm-hmm. should pay for people to become nurses. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's... Which the government is doing to some degree. Like, they are subsidizing nursing training, but... It's like, fuck, the government just
0: has this money that you could use to subsidize education for essential positions that would benefit society. I mean, it's a shame that they're not using that, putting that money towards ones that actually would. I mean, so they're doing nurses to an extent, but...
1: But I do think the most, like, Doug Ford copy thing uh, we do need to talk about... And it hasn't had a visual necessarily yet, but is Mark Saunders, mm-hmm. former Toronto Police Chief, mm-hmm. who's running for mayor and who Ford keeps secretly endorsing without actually saying it. Um, and I'm
0: surprised he just hasn't come out and said it, right? As we've talked about on this it's show It's funny that he's just times. dancing
1: around it for not really any reason. And
0: it's also weird of him saying like... All the candidates all the mayors have always sucked my brother was the last good mayor there's only been one mayor since and you know we need another mayor who has living list all the qualifications mark saunders has but for him that is subtle
2: so we need someone that has experience uh, dealing with crime i i believe we need someone that uh, have, has actually run an operation uh with with a number of employees that has the experience we need someone in toronto that knows all of toronto not a little ward that they've been representing but all of Toronto. So uh, whoever that might be, I'll work with them.
1: Um, So he's just like, yeah, lining up Saunders' resume and describing it and being like, everyone else will be a nightmare. Basically, I'm surprised that they haven't yet changed
0: the requirements to be Toronto mayor so that they're tailored to the precise person that Doug Ford wants. Like, you have to have 25 signatures, $200, and your initials have to be M and S.
1: Strong mayors must be cops. It's hard to think about
0: conservatism these days, especially conservative as police without thinking about this this idea is commonly known as Will Hoyt's law from this guy named Frank Wilhoyt. But it was like a conservatism consists of exactly one proposition to it there must be in groups whom the law protects but is, but does not bind alongside out groups whom the law binds but does not protect. And it's hard to think of Doug Ford cuddling up to cops and without thinking of like What does he want from them? What does he see with them? What does he want to happen? And why are cops good when they're at Tim Hortons and not good when they're investigating him?
1: I mean, that makes me think about another time Ford was, like, loosely investigated was when— there were allegations that he, I think in twenty either 2018 or 2019, he first became premier and he wanted to, like, get a souped-up customized van to be driven around in. Do you remember this? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, so he, there was allegations that he um, or his former chief of staff, like, ordered the police mm-hmm. to build him this van, like, off the books, like, not put any mm-hmm. record of it. Which resulted in a like internal review by the OPP and surprise, surprise, the Mm -hmm. internal review came back and was like, Doug Ford did nothing wrong. And now, just very recently, mm-hmm. the OPP officer who led that review, named Marty Kearns, has been appointed deputy commissioner of the OPP.
2: Mm. Which, like,
1: I'm sure Marty Kearns, you know, this might have happened anyways, but I think it is another, eh.
0: Yeah, it's oh. not,
1: not convenient. But I mean, patronage appointments, or not quite patronage appointments uh, aside, mm-hmm. I think the most, like, insidious thing when I, like, look at Doug Ford's Twitter account um, and see him with the cops and see him with the cookies, I don't know. It just, like, tries to make everything seem so simple as if he's not in charge of a province where a lot of shit is going wrong. You know, it's like presenting this fantasy of Ontario as a place where you drive down the street and, like, tip your hat to a police officer while you're drinking a double-double and, like, ignores all the global forces that are actually impacting people's lives, like multinational corporations buying up <laughs> to the militarization of police forces being sold at Mississauga convention centers or, like, the opioid mental health and homelessness crises that our social services can't keep up with. I know that obviously politicians like to paint things in a bright color, but it's... No, no, but this is
0: quintessential Ford, right? It's like everything you've just described, those are complex problems with complex causes that require complex solutions. A lot of the conceptualizing is fairly abstract. Doug Ford relates to things, addresses things that are within or could be within arm's length. You can put your arm around a cop, you can put your arm around a Tim Horton's cup, you can... Eat a Tim Hortons cookie if you must. As soon as something gets abstract, well, that's, that's not his brand. His brand is the tangible. It's really interesting to think that, like, that well, like if we had a guess what Doug Ford as premier would have been, I mean, I probably would have guessed even worse. But frankly, yeah, just a world of just nothing but cops and cookies. Yeah, that sounds about right. Seems to be a successful strategy. And now it's time for foreseeable disaster of the month. My foreseeable disaster is that the movie Oppenheimer comes out in well, it's not really of this month, but the movie Oppenheimer comes out two months from now in in July. And like all Christopher Nolan movies, it's shot on 65 or 70 millimeter IMAX film, at least in, in part, and is actually released on IMAX film, not just IMAX digital. And previously, that could be a thing that could be seen at the Cenosphere. Actually it is something that the Cenosphere has the technology to show. But the Cenosphere has been temporarily closed as of october seventeenth, twenty twenty two, and we all know it's not reopening, at least not such time as whatever Doug Ford's grand vision for Ontario Place will be, by which time Christopher Nolan will surely release at least two more movies and I'll have had to schlep out to like fucking Vaughn or Mississauga or whatever to go to a place with just the right sort of IMAX projector when there's a perfectly wonderful venue right down the street that could show it and would be happy to show it. It's, it's, it's in that sort of that Doug Ford dream space of, you know, having been shut down in anticipation of something that may never happen.
1: Well, my foreseeable disaster of the month is that Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie, which comes out the exact same day as Oppenheimer, also won't play at the Cinesphere. And I personally never really go to the Cinesphere, and I probably would have seen it at like Varsity or TIFF or something, but... Now I'm sad that I can't see Barbie in the Cinesphere. Seeing Ryan Gosling dressed as Ken on that Cinesphere screen would would have been pretty good. No, it's not going to happen. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. And that was Wag the Doug, a show about free fare today, noon to six, Queen's Park, free food. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. You can
0: find me on Twitter, Still, at Goldsby and occasionally hosting Shortcuts, which is that media criticism show that comes out on Thursdays on the main Candleland feed. I'm Alison Smith,
1: and you can find me on Twitter at, at Queens Park Today.
0: Our producer is Katie Lohr, and Edgerfoe is
1: our managing editor, and our theme music is by Nathan Burley. Our podcast is listener-supported. Go to CanadaLand.com slash join to help us keep this podcast going. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.